0: Hello everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm on a travel headset, so I know the sound quality is pretty cringe in my opinion. I'll tell you, this show will be worth listening to. It was pre-recorded on July 4th, a wonderful conversation with two men I absolutely adore, two incredible pastors in ministry 40 plus years, and I really love them equally, and I'm so blessed to be able to bring these conversations to you. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it off with my interview with pastor, Dr. Chuck Baldwin. And for those that don't know, Chuck Baldwin ran in the 2008 election against Obama as an independent. He has a syndicated column. I could literally spend the entire 30 minutes talking about just his bio, which is very impressive and he's such a humble man. It's a pleasure to welcome him to my program for the first half, and then the second half, the amazing Pastor Stephen Broden. He has a church out there in Dallas, Texas. I've got my guest information linked below. I hope you enjoy this, and a shout out to our new station 540 AM out in Utah, and all our terrestrial stations as well as those tuning in on Global Star Radio. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you're blessed. Well, I want to jump right into the program. I'm really excited to have back on a guest that he is no stranger to anyone in this program. He's been a good friend of the program for well over a decade. One of my favorite pastors, he's down there in one of the most beautiful parts of Montana. Boy, with everything that's going on, the gun grab, Roe versus Wade, so much to get into. It's my pleasure to welcome the amazing pastor, Dr. Chuck Baldwin, back to the program. Chuck, thank you. I know you're having a sore throat, and you still decided to come on for the people, so thank you. Thank you
1: very much, Sheila, and thank you for putting up on my frog home voice today.
0: Well, listen, you know, every year it's so predictable. We see this frog in the boiling water. Folks, I'm linking below a gun roundtable that Chuck was on, and Chuck, I never got so much feedback on a show, I don't think. I mean, men from all over the world. Chuck, that was a good show, wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. I'm I'm really glad you did that.
0: What I like about you is not only do you understand the issues doing your syndicated column and your intellectual prowess, I don't know if people know that you ran, I've got your bio in the link below, but in a world where truth is a revolutionary act, the good thing is people are waking up, but the thing is we also in the past have got relegated to, I think I'll quote you, the depths of the damned, and those are the nice ones.
1: Yes, indeed, and I, I I do believe that it's primarily a spiritual problem. And I've said this from way back yonder. It's proven to be so. I mean, this is not a political problem. It's not a social problem. It's not a cultural problem. It's a a spiritual problem. And that means the only solution is a spiritual solution. But hardly anyone, including our pastors, are looking to a spiritual solution. They're all focused on politics. And they're looking at very divided political system between the red and the blue and the democrats and the republicans and democrats are all bad and republicans are all good and you know it's the same song and dance every election and nothing changes you'd think that after a while somebody wake up and say you know what we're you know we're playing the same song and dance every year and it, it, it produces the same result which is no result maybe there's something we're overlooking and what we're overlooking is the spiritual principles that God is ordained, not, not just in biblical law, and that would be enough, but it's also in natural law. So you don't even have to be a Christian to understand the natural law principles of God that God has created for man in nature. And those principles are absolute. They are to be vi- violated with serious ramifications. And so we are already in that process of judgment, of God's patience beginning to wear thin with this country. And I don't think there's anybody that would listen to, to us today that would have any doubt when you look around at the country that this is a judgment of God. So you're right. It's a spiritual issue. Even the, like you brought up the gun control debate, you know, even that is a spiritual issue. See, that's the thing that these pastors have never learned. And as a result, they've never taught it to their people. They look at anything that is deemed to be political, then it must not be spiritual. It must not be biblical. And so they, they live in this, this separated vacuum of, of an existence where the four walls of their church and their church programs constitute spirituality. But everything else outside the church is political. So they, they don't even see the biblical principles involved in the right of self-defense. You know, our freedom in the book that my attorney son and I wrote, To Keep or Not to Keep, Why Christians Should Not Give Up Their Guns, we went into both Testaments, Old and New Testaments, and we we dug out just copious scriptures to prove that nowhere in the scripture does God expect, much less demand, that his people give up their right of self-defense. The Second Amendment does not give us the right to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment is only a governmental protection of the right and duty of self-defense that's given to us by our creator and we go into many of the scriptures that, that prove that so unless you understand unless christians understand that this whole issue of gun control is not a political issue at all this is a deeply spiritual biblical natural law principle that comes from our creator so when you begin to understand that then you're able to do real battle in the public square, because you understand the source of our liberties, which is God and not government. If government can grant us a right, then government can take that right away. So, what we're seeing right now, and of course, the great ruling that with the Supreme Court with Roe v. Wade, and then the New York law that was struck down, which was a terrible law constitutionally, both of them were. And it was good that the court finally caught up to the truth on that. But at the same time that they were voting down the New York prohibition against, bearing arms in the state of new york the u.s senate including 15 rhino commie republicans voted to create a national red flag gun confiscation law so on the one hand the supreme court says you have the right to keep and bear arms okay but on the other hand the same week the senate says yeah you have the right to keep and bear arms but we can come and confiscate those guns anytime we want to whether you've done anything wrong whether you've committed a crime or not, whether you've threatened to commit a crime, whether you have done anything against the law, we can come and take your, go- your guns whenever we feel like we want to. An arbitrary, unconditional, just whatever we want to do, we can come. So let me ask you, what good is the Second Amendment? What good is the New York law passed by the Supreme Court, the ruling? What good are these, these laws if government can barge into your home at 2 o'clock in the morning at gunpoint and seize all of your guns, and if you resist, they will kill you, and you have never committed a crime. You've Mm -hmm. never done one thing wrong, merely on somebody's accusation, somebody who doesn't like you or maybe doesn't like your guns. It could be a cop. It could be an anti-gun judge. It could be an anti-gun neighbor. It could be somebody that doesn't like you from inside the family. the man in Maryland that was shot and killed in the Police came to service, a red flag law. He, he was turned in by some member of his family. The man was, was an honest, hardworking man, 60 years old, worked hard his whole life, never done anything wrong, never committed a crime. I don't even know if he had a speeding ticket. And when he resisted, not with, not with guns, but when he resisted, the police coming to take his guns, they shot and killed him. And, of course, there was no retribution on the cops. And I say to, I say to your audience, if, if Gary Willis, that's his name, if Gary Willis was wrong, to resist the police that came in the middle of the night to seize his guns, then so were the men of Lexington. They were wrong. We have come so far afield from the basic principles of liberty in this country that we don't even know what liberty is anymore. The, the law that is designed to protect our liberties, which is the Constitution, specifically the Declaration and Bill of Rights, and then copious other laws that have been passed within state governments and so forth, all designed to protect the natural laws that we've been given by our Creator. So when we lose sight that these are God-given rights, that, that they are not political in nature, they're not governmental in, in nature. Then we can understand the seriousness of the abridgment. Because really, when you come down to it, and, and I, said, I, I preached a message on this oh, a couple of years ago, probably now, I talked about how they're coming for our guns and it's the Christian duty to repel the attack. Something like that. It's a DVD. It's in our store. And I go into some of the scriptures that we use in the book. And I talked about how, that for example, in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, under inspiration, said that if a man not provide for his own... He has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Well, you know, you pastors quote that verse all the time, but what does that really mean? When it says, "If a man provide not for his own," so everybody would agree that a part of the provision would be food, clothing, shelter, education, and the parents' role in that, and you know, raising children in the fear of God, and all, you know, all these, all these things that are very much a part of our responsibility as, as parents and heads of household, whether it's a father or a single mother. The man, provide not for his own. Okay, well, does not that also include protection? Does not that include safety? Does not the head of that household have a duty under God and under that particular scripture to protect his family from those who would harm them or kill them? The man, provide not for his own. So if the man is not prepared to defend his family under that scripture, he's not willing to provide for his family. And if he's not willing to provide for a family, the Bible says he's denied the faith, denied the Christian faith, and is worse than an infidel. Now, that's not what I said. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And yet, hardly ever will you hear a pastor in the pulpit ever mention the duty of self-defense in light of that verse. But it could not be, it could not be clearer. That is a divine obligation, just like a parent has a responsibility under God to teach his children and to raise them in a moral, righteous framework, etc, to give them a proper education, to give them the clothing they need and the food they need to eat and the, and the house and the sleep that they need, and to give them all these necessities of life. That is a God-given duty to every parent. And then are you going to say that the protection and the safety of the family is somehow excluded from that responsibility? What, what it, It's easy to say... You know, we're trusting God, but, okay, do you go to work and, and earn a living? Do you expect God to rain manna down in your front yard? And i tell you what, the, the biggest problem with that is it's a cop-out. You know, you, you expect food to just show up at your door every day. But yeah, you're trusting God, but you're going out, you're getting a job, you're working, providing the needs of your family. God is assisting you and helping you do that, but you're doing it. You know, in every area of life, we have a responsibility. But what they use that for is, is just an excuse. They say, sounds spiritual. Oh, I'm just trusting God, which means I don't want to do anything. I don't want to protect myself. I don't want to take the time. I don't want to practice. I don't want to put myself at risk. I'm just not willing to pay the price to do what I should be doing. And so to excuse their apathy, they use that cliche, oh, I'm just trusting God to take care of me. You know, it's 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 the, it's the biggest cop-out. That, that a Christian could ever use, and yeah, you're right, that that mantra is repeated uh, millions of times. Always.
0: It's one thing to say you trust God. Of course we do. We're Christians. Mm-hmm. We absolutely do, but you don't want to end up like in Canada where Pierre Trudeau started doing it in the 60s and through the 70s, 80s. They've banned every kind of gun. You've seen Trudeau say, well, too bad, you don't need protection, yet he walks around with these bodyguards. It's the same with this jackass and that's a biblical word and matthew McConaughey walks around you know with all the security detail loaded to the nines and he's got Mm. something to say but why are these out of touch demonic celebrities always weighing in on gun control
1: well i think you said i think it's, it's a demonic attempt i think that's the same thing that we're facing in the news media it's the same thing we're facing in the education system same thing we're facing in the in the political sphere, we are facing a demonic system. You know, the, the beastly system, which reared its ugly head very obviously during the, the COVID tyranny, it was a beastly system. I and mean, it wasn't just bad law or inadvertent, uh, we, we meant to do right, you know, but you no, know, this was a satanic attack on the, on the freedoms of the American people and the freedoms of the church in particular. The devil hates the church, and he hates the gospel, and whenever in, in this country he was able to successfully lock down the churches for, what, how many months? I mean, there's still some churches around the country that haven't opened. I mean, after all this time, there's, there's still some that haven't opened, and then they may, probably will never open. It's probably a good thing, but who would have ever dreamed that the Christians of this country, the pastors of this country, would allow that to happen. But they did. And it showed their true colors. It showed what they're all about. It showed their lack of understanding of the scriptures. It showed their cowardice, their willingness to face danger. I mean, you think about all of the stories of the Bible, both testaments, and how the men and women faced off against some of the most evil tyrants of history. But they were not afraid. Some of them prevailed, some of them didn't. That's not the point. Duty is ours, results are God, John Quincy Adams. So, but they, they lost that. They just, they just totally lost it. And then they even excused it. They were really doing something very spiritual by allowing these devilish forces to close down their worship service. So now we get into the gun control issue. You know, it's, really been, it's been one of the most disturbing things of my ministerial career is, is the lack of attention and the lack of concern that pastors have for Second Amendment issues. Of course, we know that thousands, and I know one man personally, who actually went through the the government program where they were instructed that in the event of a national emergency or state of emergency, whatever it be called, that the pastors would be relied on to tell their congregations to turn in their guns to the government. And one of my pastor friends, he went to to the program just to see what it what it was what they're going to say and got the notes and so forth so i, I look through it and yeah that, that's what they're teaching so there's already you know a large cabal of pastors from every denomination that's sitting out there and they are fully prepared if any government governor or the president or mayor or whoever gets up and says this is a declaration of emergency we're asking everybody to turn in their firearms the pastors would get up in those pulpits the next Sunday and they would regurgitate
0: that. Well Chuck, did you know that nine years ago I was one of the only people in the new media that actually covered, I interviewed a pastor and he, out of five there was three that would not go on air, but they all confirmed there is a clergy response team, it is United Nations driven, a bunch of hucksters, these Judas turncoats that will sell, sell you out for 30 pieces of silver. And get this Chuck, this is frightening, I don't know if you know this term, clergy response team. That's oh, yeah, what that I ended I'm up calling it. it. I did several stories, didn't get a lot of traction. And just now I've noticed it's starting to, people are starting to use that term clergy response. But Dave Hodges and I, when we were on Republic Broadcasting still, that was way back in 2011, we were talking mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And Chuck, this is what this pastor shared with me personally. He said, Sheila, number one, they look for the loudmouths. They look for the ones that are, boy, if Chuck Baldwin's talking about guns, he's a red flag right off the bat. They report the problematic mm. people like the Sheila Zelinskis, that are outspoken and I'm telling you Chuck that scripture came to mind they will literally deliver you up and I don't know if you know this in Canada I'm interviewing a pastor and as a matter of fact after I do this show with you pastor Paul Dubois from Saskatchewan mm. they got letters they got a hundred up to a hundred thousand dollars to keep their church closed from the government and then up to a million dollars in some cases, Chuck, one case they were offered their mega church. If they pushed the vaccine and became a vaccine center, I mean this stuff is right out of the bells of hell and this is stuff that I've uncovered over the years. I mean Chuck, this is shocking. I mean, you wanna talk about that scripture. They will deliver you right up. Isn't that frightening?
1: Oh absolutely. And and of course that was that was addressed to the First century Christians, you know, about the Jewish leaders would deliver them up in the synagogues, and you know that that's exactly what's happened now. It's it's the same spirit, it's the same satanic spirit at work, but now it's it's not synagogues that people are being given up to; it's it's uh, churches, but it's the same principle. So it doesn't matter what what the religion is or what the denomination is. If you see some pastor or some church that is mimicking. These, these beastly system, in whatever fashion it appears, then you can know that this is a devilish system. This is an antichrist system. And this has nothing to do with politics. This has everything to do with good versus evil, righteousness versus sin, God versus Satan. You know, that's why I say, to go back to the very beginning, that it's a spiritual issue. And, yeah, you know, the clergy response team was exactly what I was referring to. That goes back many, many years, actually a couple decades or more. You know, my friend that I was referring to, he was one of the first ones to, to guys as I understand it, he told me that, he, you know, the class he went to, the series of classes, was one of the first, at least in the area. And so he got in on, on the ground floor. And so I've been aware of that since, since that time. And nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that the pastors have gotten more lethargic and more cowardly and less courageous. Uh, and, and so, you know, without, without the moral resistance... Elimination, which is supposed to be provided by the pastors and in the church. If you don't have that moral resistance to this spirit of evil, then where is it going to come from? You know, where, where is it going to come from? And the answer is, it, it's not going to come from anywhere. That is the role of the pastor. He's a shepherd. He's a watchman. And you know, the churches collectively are the watchman for the for the country and for the state and the community, etc. And whenever pastors, you know, forfeit that responsibility because it's too controversial and they're all about building big churches and big buildings and they're all about big offerings and they're they're all about programs and growth and you know having all this big stuff that's what they're all about you know pastors really for the most part are just CEOs of government corporations and every 501c3 church is a government corporation. Barbara Cate was a brilliant legal mind she was my legal Advisor uh, for many years. She had helped over 2,000 pastors and churches in her career extricate themselves from the Internal Revenue Service. And believe me when I say, and I'm not just saying this, it's easier to get out of the mafia than it is to get out of a 501c3. It's just almost impossible. And she would spend the countless hours it would take individually for each pastor in each church to teach them how to do it. And she was doing that for so many years. And, and she was working with us on our Liberty Church project. And then, sadly, she passed away with cancer. So whenever she was dying, I asked her if we could take, because she didn't have anything in, in book form. It was just her notes that she would use when she would go speak. And so I said, Kim, you know, Barbara, this, we have to keep this alive, this message. And so we print it. We're the only ones that print it. We, we print it. We call it the church and change. She's the one that wrote it. And I paid an introduction to her and to her great work for over three decades. I was a 501c3 church. I didn't know anybody else fresh out of Bible College. We started the church from scratch. They said, this is how you do it, that's, and that's what I did. I know what that's all about because I was in that first. Here's how it worked. About once or twice a year, I would get a, it wasn't a letter per se, it was, it was more of a, a pamphlet from an attorney's office. It was, it was never sent by the government. It was sent by a law office. And inside was a, a very professionally printed, glossy, color brochure. And the brochure was a letter, but it was, it was a brochure format. And in any brochure, it, would, it said things like, if you are a 501c3, or since you are a 501c3 pastor, here's what you can do, and then bullet points. And then here's what you can't do, and then bullet points. And then through the other page, it would say, since you are a 501c3 church, here's what you can do, bullet points, and here's what you cannot do points and I would get that in the mail like I said at least once a year maybe twice a year and I just threw them in the, in the trash I wish <laughs> like anything now I would have kept one or two of those because I'd have it for reference but I didn't think about it back in those days I just threw away and didn't pay attention to it but but I, I promise you that most of the pastors and church officers they treat those if you want to call a letter those brochures that they get from this law office they treat that like gospel and they will have meetings in their board meetings, whether it's deacon board, a trustee board or, or pastoral board or whatever kind of board they have. And they'll they'll talk about it and they'll go over it and make sure, okay now, we gotta make sure that we're following this. Are we doing anything in this category that might come a foul of this point? And they would go down I'm I'm telling you, point by point, And they would if they found something that they thought that might be a foul of, of what they were being told In the church, they would change it. They would eliminate it totally. Wow! Uh, It totally dictates to the churches what they can and cannot do. And if you know, people wonder all the time. I get people say, "You know, my my pastor is such a nice guy, you know, and he he says so many good things. Of course, they do, you know. And you know, I think he's going to really say something, you know, of 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 substance, you know. And he gets right up to the point, and then he changes the subject and drops it. You know, they know where the line is. See. They they know exactly where the line is because the government has told them where it is. And they are not going to cross that line no matter what because they do not want to jeopardize their tax-exempt status. And if people are giving to the church and it's tax-exempt, well, they're getting benefit write-offs on their taxes at the end of the year. So if the church is now not nonprofit, then their donations are not able to be written off at the end of the year. And so when we first started our fellowship here at Liberty Fellowship in 2011, you know, I was told by numerous pastors that we would never survive. Not even six months. uh, They said, Chuck, there's no way that people will support a church fellowship that's not tax-exempt. And I said, well, we'll see. But the point is is that that tax-exempt status holds a lever over their heads that they absolutely fear more than they fear God. Truly. More than they fear God, more than they fear the Word of God, more than they fear the faithfulness to truth and, and the, you know, all of that, they fear the IRS. And if anything would happen to jeopardize their, their nonprofit status, then as far as they're concerned, it would be the end of the world. So that is why all these good pastors you're talking about out there, and you think they're so nice and they, they, talk, they say so many good things and blah, blah, blah. Of course they do. That's why they will say what really needs to be said. Because they are they are afraid of crossing the line that's set by the Internal Revenue Service.
0: Well, and you know what? Shame on people for tithing to these viper dens, these pukes in the pulpit, these clergy response Mm. that are ubiquitously, it's like the Pied Piper pastors, lulling people to sleep, the whole, we saw this thing during COVID. Now, very quickly, just touch on something that I think is an important issue, and then I'll get you to give your information out, Chuck. But you recently wrote an incredible article on this. Do you find this whole Ukraine thing just, I mean, people are like to the point of idolatry with this thing, aren't they? Well, that's another
1: part of of the of the situation that, that the the church is has is fallen victim to, and the conservatives in politics, same thing. And, and, and you know this idea that anything Russia does has got to be evil. Why? Because Russia's evil. Putin is evil. You know, and how many stories are are coming out of the media now about how terrible? Putin is, you know. He's, he's a bloodthirsty maniac, and you know, they, they, it's just unreal the way they're, they're painting the man. And the, the reason that they have to have that narrative is because in their minds, the prophecies of the Bible, especially the, the book of Ezekiel, which I have a message on that in my prophecy package about Ezekiel 38 and 39, they, they attribute that prophecy to Russia. So Russia is deemed by, by these evangelicals as being a part of the anti-Israel, satanic system. And so everything that Russia does is evil, and Russia is our enemy, no matter what. Facts don't have any, any bearing on it, and what we have done over in Ukraine and Europe you know, to exacerbate this problem and, and the way that we are uh, elongating the war and, and, and everything that we're doing, it, none of that means anything. Again, to repeat what I've said earlier in the program, it all goes back to a spiritual issue. They fault Russia because, in their minds, Russia is the Gog and Magog of Revelation and the Gog and Magog of Ezekiel. And it's not, okay? It's not. I mean, I hope people will go get my package and, and watch it because i prove conclusively that, from a biblical point of view, that the Gog and Magog of Ezekiel 38 and 39 has nothing whatsoever to do with Russia, neither does the Gog and Magog of Revelation. What I'm saying is this false prophecy teaching of Christian Zionism has created a lot of these political problems that we're dealing with. And when you even talk about Ukraine, I mean, you got these programs on cable television, you know, it, you know, help Ukraine now, give to this organization, this Christian organization, and help us help the Christians in Ukraine. You know, well, What about the Christians in Russia? Yeah, there are Christians in Russia. Yeah, what about them? Uh, that, that they don't count. The entire political movement and the entire religious movement of the country is geared toward helping Ukraine fight Russia. Why? Because Russia is Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 30 and 39. And it's not. So we are, we're, you know, we're, we're fighting a war. You know, we're on the verge of global nuclear conflict. And this administration in Washington is, it's almost behaving like it wants a global nuclear conflict. The way it's goading Russia and the way it's encroaching on Russia's uh, sovereign territory, et cetera, et cetera, and the way it's feeding, uh, you know, powerful weapons to to its enemies and so forth. Biden and and, and the Republicans too. It's it's like they want a global nuclear war, really. And is that what Christians want? I think some Christians do. I think some Christians are salivating for war. I, th- I think they're salivating for nuclear war, but they have no concept of what nuclear war would do. You know, we've been so far removed from war on our 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 continent that. We have generations of people that have lost all semblance of reality. What happens when nations go to war? I mean, really go to war. I'm not talking about Iraq and Syria, you know, those, those things. I'm talking about a major war, you know, like World War I, World War II, talking about global conflict, and nowadays that means nuclear weapons. You really want that? Yeah, they do. Because, you see, they're going to be raptured and they're not going to have to endure any of it. They've talked themselves into the rapture is going to come at the seventh calvary at the last minute, and they're all going to go to heaven, and they won't have to endure anything. So they can go ahead and start all these wars, and the people you know, in the world can endure the fruit of their warfareic labor, but they won't, they won't experience it. They're going to be raptured. Another falsehood. So you see that all these things, I mean, no matter which way we go here in this discussion, it always comes back to a a spiritual issue. And as long as the spiritual understanding of the church and pastors and Christian people is is where it's at today, then this is just going to spiral out of control. And I think the disruption in the United States is inevitable. The breakup of this country is inevitable. In the near future, that would just guarantee the breakup of the United States. And the United States as we know it today would would never exist again. And, you know, what it would look like at the end of the day is anybody's guess. But this is something that's going to happen, and there's not going to be a rapture to take these people out of it. They're going to endure it along with everybody else. it rains on the just and the unjust alike, and that includes nuclear fallout. So these people are eaten up with Christian Zionism. They're eaten up with false prophetic theology we eaten up with all kinds of, of false doctrines. And as a result, there is absolutely zero deterrent to the direction that our country has taken. So it's a spiritual issue, Sheila. And hopefully you think maybe sooner or later we can get the pastors to understand it. Now. We'll see.
0: These doctrines of demons and seducing spirits, as you said, Chuck, have permeated the church. And it's really important people really start going to the Lord and really taking this stuff to him. Now, you mentioned Gog Magog. You have a prophecy package, six DVDs. It's so good. And I've got a couple more shows linked that we've done on Israel. And To Keep or Not To Keep, when we had Tim chuck's constitutional lawyer son so many good syndicated articles over the year he's a non-501c3 pastor if you're out there in montana take a drive out to liberty fellowship and go see for yourself what so many people have told me they just love you chuck take a couple minutes talk about liberty fellowship for the folks in montana how can they come see you sir and when do you do your live broadcast
1: well our services are live streamed every sunday so it's worldwide we have we have people that watch all over the world and of course in the united states too and um, people that they can't make a trip to montana it's not exactly centrally located can watch us every sunday afternoon at 2:30 p.m. mountain time if people want to make a drive like we have people that visit us from all over including foreign countries they pay the price to in you know, these days to come and visit, I just can't get over how I mean, people will spend so much of their time and money to come just to be part of one of our services. It's just so incredible to think that people are affected by Liberty Fellowship to that degree that they would do that. And so we have people just about every Sunday from either somewhere in the country or even somewhere out of the country that, that, that come to visit, especially in the summertime and then when, it's, when the weather's nice.
2: So go to our,
1: our website, which is libertyfellowshipmt.com, stands for Montana libertyfellowshipmt.com and all of the videos and, and the DVDs and the books that we talked about are there it's under the category of store click that and it'll open up and if they want to watch the back archive sermons they go all the way back to you know years and years and years ago while well, the sermons are up there and so you can watch those to your heart's content I would say just go to libertyfellowshipmt.com and be a part of this tremendous fellowship that is really in my opinion maybe the most courageous they are, committed to truth. They love truth. They're not playing games. We're not program-oriented. we're not trying to tickle people's ears. We tell the truth. If people like it, we want them to come back. But if they don't like it, we don't need them. We're not trying to be a big congregation. We're just trying to be a faithful congregation.
0: Folks, I'd really recommend get the resources. Let him know you heard him on the program. Chuck has taken the time out. Send him a donation, folks. Some of you have the means to support. He's one of the few brave pastors that I know, and I really think that you've done such an incredible job. And by the way, I want to say happy 47th. It's your year 47th in ministry. I mean for God to entrust you with a ministry like that for almost 50 years. And you you look like you're 50, so I don't know what you're doing, Chuck. (laughs) You must be eating some good old beef out in Montana. In a world where they want you to eat bugs, you must be doing something right, Mr. Paul.
1: (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. I have a lot of people tell me that. But uh, I I don't know. I I just credit it to the grace of God for whatever reason. God, God wants to keep me young looking and strong. I, mean, I don't feel very strong with, with this infection I have, but, uh, you know, the strength to be able to stand up with a lot of opposition. I mean, you can you know that kind of opposition you get. So the opposition is fierce and it takes a lot of fortitude to say things that you know that people are going to just hate you for. It. And yet I don't have any control over that because it's the Lord's truth. It's not my truth. And I'm, not, I'm just a messenger.
0: So Thank you very much for, for sharing that with you. Well, you're in good company because they hated Paul and Jesus. So, so I guess we're, we're in good company for sure, Chuck. Oh, yeah. I've got Chuck's information. Let Chuck know, folks, that you heard him on the program. Donate, go get his resources. Thanks again, Chuck, and happy Independence Day. God bless you, sir. Yeah,
1: thank you, and the same to you, Sheila.
0: Folks, that was Dr. Chuck Baldwin i've got his information there upon your screen as well as linked in the description below and we're going to be back right after the break with pastor stephen broden stick around we'll be back right after the break he said unto
2: them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned these signs shall follow them that believe In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, and preached everywhere,
0: the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Welcome back after the break, folks. You're going to be in for a real treat. He is a very good friend of the program. He's out there in Dallas, Texas. He has a church there. I've got all his information linked in the description below. I could literally, again, spend the entire interview time talking about his impressive bio. But without further ado, it is the one, the only, my dear friend, Pastor Stephan Broden. Pastor Broden, (laughs) welcome back to the program you're long overdue it's so good to have you back on my friend
2: well it's good to be back and certainly on your show where you're attempting to make a difference in this world with information and education in order to activate our people into being engaged in the rescue of our republic the rescue of our freedoms and our liberty and certainly our religious liberty and the sovereign god is the supreme authority in the earth and one thing that we know that God's purposes will be fulfilled. In Ephesians, in the councils of eternity, he has determined all things, all things, that includes even the things that we see happening right now, does not operate outside the context of the sovereign purpose of God. So as Christians, our comfort, our security, is in knowing that a good God, and when we say God is good, that is perfection. That good in its perfection. Because his goodness is a part of his infinitude. He is an infinite God, so he is infinitely good. And when we trust him, we're trusting an infinitely wise and good God. And God simply wants us to trust him at what he's doing. We may not understand it, we may not see it in uh, in terms of all the details, but we do know this. A sovereign God, who out of the counsels of eternity, have determined a purpose for all of mankind and for this earth and we're operating in the context of that purpose that's our solace that's our comfort that's our strength.
0: Pastor Broden, for the new listeners, I know you don't like tooting your own horn, but I will. Like, your background is incredible. Your work around abortion and waking people up, and your let's call the euphemism, sorry, I apologize, the butchering and the bloodshed of babies. We know what Proverbs 6 says. Preach it, Pastor. I'll throw you the mic, and you just go where you want to go and throw it back to me when you're ready.
2: Oh, sure. I'm one of the co-founders of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition, Dr. Johnny Hunter and I. I approached him in 2008 and said, you know, we need to have a coalition of all these different groups that are out there that are in the black community who are attempting to alert them to the urgency for them to be involved to push back against the deliberate attempt to eradicate our community and destroy our community by attacking the family, babies, and mothers. And he agreed, and we started what is called the National Black Pro-Lag Coalition. That is a coalition of different black organizations that are engaged in the fight against abortion. Abortion is a scourge, and it is devastating the demography of our community. The demographics of our community are suffering right now. I think most demographers tell us that it takes uh, 2.1 kids per family in order for the, the, the culture to continue forward. But in the black community, because of abortion and other pathologies that are adversely impacting our families and our numbers, we're looking at 1.8 children per family. It takes 100 years to try to turn that around. If we start having 2.1 kids starting today, it will take 100 years to turn it around. So we're, we're in a mess right now, and our numbers are depleting rapidly. The industry, the abortion industry, being led by Planned who through slick advertisement and sophisticated marketing has deceived women and especially black women into believing that the only answer to unintended pregnancy is to murder their babies. The only answer to unintended pregnancy, they don't offer any other option. But here's what we do know, is that the science supports our position to protect babies. 46 chromosomes equal life. 23 from the male and 23 from the female. That's evident in every human being today. We must stop killing these babies. When the sperm hits that egg, it forms 46 chromosomes. It doesn't get any more. You have 46 right now and I have 46. We never get any more or any less. And that 46 makes us a person. A human being while in our mother's womb. And so this killing must stop. It must stop. And here's the ugly fact that most people aren't saying. Most black babies are aborted. There are more black babies that are being aborted than any other ethnic group in America. Just think about that. We represent about 13% of the population. Let's say 6% of that are women. And then a fourth of that are childbearing women. And they constitute over 37 to 41% of all abortions in America. That's a lot of killing out of a small group of people. And here's what's happening, and and you know this to be true. That kind of slaughter of black babies. So when we hear that they are selling baby parts for scientific research, that means those baby parts are being sold for scientific research. Those are black baby parts. Those are black baby parts. Mostly black babies. And so there's a need, a screaming need for the black community to recognize that we have been manipulated into believing a lie, a woman's right to choose, right? My body, my choice. That sentence ends like this, my body, my choice to kill my baby. I'm sorry, but murder is not a right. It's absolutely not a right. Thou shall not murder. That's one really of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall not murder. You see, we didn't create life, and God doesn't give us permission to take life arbitrarily and indifferently. And that's what's happening with abortion. It's arbitrary and it's indifferent. They don't care whether it's a boy or a girl. Unfortunately in China, they're they're aborting mostly girls. In China. In America, among the Asian community, they are still aborting mostly girls. That's happening here in America. But in the black community, Anything that moves in his mother's womb is subject to die. We call it womb lynching. And they're doing it with the permission of the mothers. Unfortunately, too many have bought into the lie, the deception that's in the public square right now. And one of the things that Donald Trump made popular in his presidency is the word fake. He said fake news. Well, everything is fake. What we're witnessing is that we're in the middle of a deception. The Bible makes it clear. It says in First Timothy chapter 4, it says expressly, In the last days, some will fall away from the faith by paying attention to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I submit to you, that's happening right now. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy, empty deception, according to the traditions of men, and according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. Now, he's not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers. And he's saying to believers, you need to be on the alert and be aware of the fact that you have a stewardship responsibility to make sure that no one deceives you through philosophies, empty deceptions, traditions of men, elementary principles of the world, juxtaposed to what? To Jesus Christ, to what Jesus says about life and living, what God has to say about the sanctity of life and the value of and the dignity of life made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, the image of God. That's where our worth and our value comes from. Not from our skin color, not from how much money you have, or what class of people you were born into. My value and my worth as a human being is that I am made in the image of my creator. And that's where my worth is for every human being. And by the way, all human beings are from one blood. One blood, the Bible says.
0: Well, Pastor, let's also talk about Jeremiah one five that He fashioned us in the womb. I mean, doesn't that count for something? I mean, I'm sorry, ladies, but you're housing for a creation, and you don't have the right to butcher that baby. It's not your body and your choice.
2: Absolutely right. Uh, uh, there's no question about it. We were created by God, and what happens through copulation as a man and a woman engage in copulation. Uh, By the way, in marriage, they create new life. And that life is that which is fashioned by God in the mother's womb. The hand of God knits that baby in. The hand of God gives it life and meaning and direction. God gives life. He is the author of life, and he gives life. And I want you to know that those who are killing these babies... They are going to have to stand before God one day. And the blood of those kids are crying out right now to God. And God intervened. And he stopped the federal legalization of abortion in America. Abortion is still in America, by the way. It hadn't stopped. It's still going on. What the court did was a moderate decision to reprimand it back down to the states. And states are doubling down who have abortion legal right now. California, Oregon, Washington. New Mexico, Arizona, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Maine, Missouri. These places are doubling down and making abortion making it free for women. If they come into the into their states to get abortion, they will pay for it for them. This is malicious, evil of the worst kind. How could any state, the people of those states, California, how can they sit by silently and allow their legislators to? legalize the lynching, the murdering, the killing of babies from all over the country, the women who will be flocking to those states. It's a shame. My text message all day today, I've been talking to those in the pro-life movement saying, we're still in the foxhole. And don't get up out of the foxhole to take victory laps because you become exposed. Stay in the foxhole. Stay prepared. Keep your head down. Thank God for the victory, but keep Praying to end the scourge. Keep pushing back to end the scourge. The fight is not over. Stop taking these victory laps.
0: What I want to know is planned murderhood, as I call it. you got a Moloch and Baal sacrificing their children on every street corner. I mean, you've got this baby butchering factory selling, as you said, the baby body parts of the highest bidder. Pastor Bowden, what I want to know is with planned murderhood on every corner, you know, look at uh, Jeremiah and also Leviticus 3.20, and, and then go to Proverbs 6, you know, hands that shed innocent Blood, the Lord says he hates it. The blood cries out in the land. So now let's fast forward to Margaret Sanger, the founder, who actually said that murder your black baby, that's a good thing. Like, she thought Negroes are undesirable. That's, I mean, why won't Black Lives Matter talk about that?
2: Well, Black Lives Matter is a part of this evil cabal that is working to undermine our Constitution and undermine our nation and the liberties that we have in order to establish the global agenda and the global reset. So they are a part of what I call the toolbox of the left. They have within that toolbox they have critical race theory, social justice, liberation theology, intersectionality, and of course black lives matter. These are tools used to create chaos, division, and confusion. And confusion, as you well know, and chaos is a tool that is used by them to facilitate an agenda or uh, to uh, facilitate their program to create a replacement of what we have, that is our constitutional rights and our religious liberties. So understand that about Black Lives Matter. They are a socialist organization, a communist organization. Their leadership has been trained into community organizing from a Marxist point of view. This is not, these people are not concerned about the black community or concerned about the value of life because they advocate abortion, they advocate reorganizing and redefining the family into same-sex families. Uh, Two women and two men are part of their strategy for identifying families in America. So these people are not interested in Black Lives Matter as much as they are interested in undermining our nation's value system and replacing the Christian ethic with a socialistic one. So when we see that stuff happening out there in the public square, they're operating on the philosophy. There are two ideas that I think represent best what they're doing. There is an economist by the name of Frederick von Hayek, Frederick von Hayek, he says this, quote, Emergencies have always been the pretext on which the safeguard of individual liberties have been eroded, unquote. Listen to what he says. Emergencies, that is chaos, confusion, has been the pretext on which the safeguard of individual liberties have been eroded. And so what does that mean? That means they are creating chaos. They're not waiting for chaos to happen. But they are creating chaos in order to facilitate their agenda. Black Lives Matter is a part of the effort to create chaos. Remember Rahm Emanuel, President Obama's chief of staff? He said this, You never want a serious crisis to go wasted. It provides an opportunity to do the things that were not possible to do before. Not only are they looking for it, I submit to you, they are creating chaos. And they are creating fear and confusion in order for the people to say we are afraid, do something to help us, and the people who created the fear and created the chaos will step in and replace our liberties with a tyrannical system designed to undermine our Judeo-Christian heritage and to replace our liberties with tyranny. I think it was Mark Levin. Remember Mark Levin, he wrote a book called Liberty and Tyranny. In his introduction, he says this, and I'm doing this from memory. He says that the remedy to tyranny is conservativism, precisely because its principles are the founding principles. He says the remedy, the solution, the answer to tyranny is conservativism. Why? Because the principles of conservativism is founded in the founding principles that undergird and have founded this nation. And this is what I do when I go out and speak. I said the answer to this mess that we're in is a return to to the founding principles that made this nation great. I'm speak of America. And there are ten. Liberty, equality, natural rights, the consent of the governed, religious liberty. That's five. The next five are private property, the rule of law, constitutionalism, self-government, and independence. Those are the principles that this nation was founded upon, which launched it in being one of the greatest nations on planet Earth. and we as a nation have turned away from that to the embracement of what Paul calls doctrines of
0: demons doctrines of devils, wow, amen 24-7 regurgitating these doctrines of devils these lying demons I I just bind up the lying spirit in those guys because I I really believe that everything is fake like you just said, it's a very fake world it's anti-human, anti-family, anti-Christ, isn't it?
2: Uh, the spirit of deception is, uh, is thick right now, and, and there's a number of things that's happening, and that spirit is operating in the earth, earth today, and I think the World Economic Forum is the source of a lot of that mess. Not only are we seeing that, but God is at work too. I often tell my brothers and sisters that we've got to keep our eyes fixed upon God, because when we look at too much of the negative, it can become a, a distraction. And it can derail us from our faith connection with God. We must maintain our faith connection with God. It is our source. In fact, in 1 John chapter 5, it says that we overcome by our faith. So our ability to have victory, that that Greek word there is Matila, which means victory, conquering, that we win. And we overcome, we win by our faith. But the second thing that I I want to... Us to keep our eyes on is how god is moving among the church you see we know that there are tears that are growing alongside the wheat we know that we see that in scripture the bible tells us that and god will be doing the separation it is god who is doing the separation and he's exposing the tears for what it is for what it is and so i believe god is at work and that the church when we say the church we need to be careful that we don't identify the Bible-believing, Bible-committed churches with the liberal churches and the churches who are deceiving. When we say that the churches are weak and and anemic and are not a part of the solution, we're not talking about the biblical church. We're talking about the cultural church. The cultural church is a weak, anemic example of a failure. But the biblical church, the one that I belong to and I believe you belong to, The ones who believe in the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God in the original manuscript. We believe that. And we believe we have that word. That we're living in that word. And it is the source of our strength, our hope. And we're listening to him and trying to pay attention to what God is telling us. Now that other group of people, that cultural church, that cultural church, they say they are Christians. But what does John say? He says, they are not of us. They were with us. But they went out from us because they were not of us. They were with us. They were among us. The tares and the tare and the wheat are hard to distinguish between the two. You have to be a studied person to be able to identify what a wheat looks like versus what a tear looks like. God knows and he's getting them now. He's exposing them and showing them for who they are. And if there are any Bible-believing people sitting up in those cultural churches, they need to leave those churches now. Well, so how do I know whether my church is cultural or not? It's the one who is bowing the knee to tolerance and political correctness. The one who is being gay-affirming and supportive of a woman's right to choose. That is not a biblical church. That is not a biblical church. And those pastors who are standing up in the pulpit declaring those things, shutting the church down, social distancing, putting masks on and making their people separate from each other and not sing, because if you sing, you might spray somebody and they might get sick. That's not a Bible-believing church. And so we have a stewardship responsibility to be discerning. Remember what Hebrews chapter 5 said? Verse 14, I said, Solid food is for the mature who have their senses, who through practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil, that we are discerning. And our discernment is because we're not sitting around drinking milk, but we're eating the food, the solid food of God's word that gives us the capacity to see as he sees, know as God has made known, and do what he called us to do. And there is a need for us to step forward right now. Believers need to do that. And in order for us to do that and be effective with it, Sheila, is that we must learn to listen to Him? Isn't that what God said at the Mount of Transfiguration? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. That word in the Greek is akouo, which means to hearken, paying attention to. We're listening to everybody and anybody else in this deceptive time, and they're deceiving us and lying to us, creating fear in us and separating us from the one source where we have the absolute confidence to overcome that is the voice of the living god through christ our savior
0: couldn't have said it better myself folks you heard that well in the last part of the show Stefan, i would love you to give out your information talk about when uh, for the folks in texas in your neck of the woods talk about what you're doing there and how folks can connect with you and all your handiwork and including any websites you want to give out sir Sure,
2: I you know I'm senior pastor of the Fair Park Bible Fellowship Church. We're located in southeast Dallas at thirteen twenty one Rowan Avenue. That's R O W A N Avenue in Dallas, Texas seven five two two three. Anyone who's in Dallas, if you're visiting, come visit us as we are preaching and teaching the Word of God. We believe that our stewardship responsibility is to listen first to God and then do. Too many of us are doing are responding to what we see. The political shenanigans and chaos and confusion, and we're responding without listening. you got to listen first, and then do. We walk by faith, and not by sight. Believers believe first, and then we see. Non-believers will tell you they got to see it in order to believe it. That's not us. We believe, and then we see it. I'm involved in a couple of organizations that I I would point you to our website, um, Content of Character Series. I'm the Executive Director of Content of Character Series. The website is contentofcharacterseries.com. That's the full word, like one word, contentofcharacterseries.com. You'll find that what we're doing is we're going across the country, putting on films that are designed to inform, educate, and activate the black community to be involved in the rescue of our republic out of the hands of the communists and the socialists, who, by the way, set up camp in our church and has infiltrated our churches and have bought off many of our pastors and have used the black community to advance their agenda without doing anything to help the community. Our community is worse now than it's ever been, and we've been voting over 90% for the Democratic Socialist Party, and they have done nothing. We need to come out of the deception and wake up and know what's going on. Content of character is trying to do that. Most Americans are oblivious to what's happening. They just don't know the spiritual implications of what's happening in America today. Philosophies that's driving it. Darwinism. Marxism, socialism, feminism, secular humanism, all are ideas that are created by men and women who hated God. And those ideas are prominent and pervasive in the public school right now. We're trying to tell people about that. And then activation. There is no activation without information and education. The second organization that I'm involved in is the National Black Pro-Life Coalition, among the founders. How do we respond now to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, our strategy now must be targeted towards those states that are doubling down on abortion, how we get in there with our strategy to activate our community to push back against the culture of death. So Pro-Life, our Black Pro-Life Coalition is at blackprolifecoalition.life, L-I-F-E, blackprolifecoalition.life. And uh, you can find out what we're doing and have any one of us come and speak at any venue that you may have. God bless you. Thank you for having me, Sheila.
0: God bless you, Pastor Broden. Thank you for everything you do, sir.
1: Thank you, Sheila.